Freightonomics this week. Uh, I am Zach Strickland, head of freight market intelligence here with Anthony Smith, chief economist. And we are here to bring the freight market as well as the global economic uh, situation into perspective and contextualize our current environment, which Anthony has, it's continuing down the road that we've been talking about for a while. Uh, we're, we're, we're seeing the signs of economic slowdown, uh, downturn, whatever you want to call it. It's all the same thing. And we were talking a little bit before the show today about how, you know, you don't really necessarily need a lot of historical information if you have multiple sources coming from different places telling you the same thing. And we're seeing a lot of that right now. We're seeing things start to come into uh, clearer perspective now that we're having multiple sources slow down. Like I think early on, you know, and I addressed this a little bit last week, people were trying to dispute this economic slowdown because they would, they would take some of our information or other information and say, well, but this isn't slowing down. You yeah. know, like you've seen the jobs market, not necessarily showing a huge sign of slowing down yet, but there's things that are leading and then there's things that are lagging. Mm -hmm. And those relationships over the last two years have become kind of unclear, right? Yeah, and there are certain things that put other areas into context or expose other areas. Mm -hmm. So, for example, and we were talking a lot of it before the show, and it was yeah. some, the show probably could have started an hour and a half ago, really. Yeah, no but, doubt. Um, when you're looking about it, uh, that's one of the things, like, what's a reactionary index mm -hmm. or measure versus a pro, like, proactively something that's yep. going to happen. Job openings is going to be one of them because a lot of folks are going to react to it. It's going to be reactionary. Okay, we don't need all these jobs. We have right. to slow it down. We don't need all this inventory. That was reaction to something that happened a while ago throughout the pandemic, and I get it. A lot of people were burned. Mm -hmm. They needed their stuff. They don't want to be in that position again. Mm -hmm. Rather have it and not need it than need it, not have it. So they're in that position now. But when we're looking at certain aspects of data, typically I would want to see, you know, three consecutive movements of something before mm -hmm. I call it a trend. But if you start looking at something and there's a movement in one area, let's say housing starts, and you also see something happening interesting in existing home sales, right. and you're also seeing something interesting happening in uh, homes completed and being built, and you're just seeing all these different data points pointing to one thing, that's where you can kind of override, all right, there isn't three months of movement, but there's, there's significant trends happening in different data points showing one thing. Another example of this is consumer confidence, consumer sentiment. This is one of those areas I would Here love to talk about. I would love to talk <laughs> about it because it's meaningful. And I completely like just stayed away from it for so long mm -hmm. because job openings cleared everything up. The right. quit rate cleared everything up. Now consumers, I think, are going to be a lot more exposed because if the, the unemployment market starts to shift, Mm -hmm. they can start, they have to now act on their uncertainty. They right. have to act on their sentiment being so low. But if the job market is just so flourishing, they don't have to worry about it. They just kind of live paycheck to paycheck, move to move, month to month. But now, sudden shift in that, that I, throws everything else out of whack. And, and I have given you, obviously, a lot of grief over your feelings <laughs> indexes, but I think, I think you make a sound point yeah. in the way that when you have that combined with some other data sources, you now have something relatively substantial uh, in that space. So we're going to dive into that a little bit. Obviously, bullwhip is going to be said on this show quite a bit today because that's really what we're going to talk about is what's going on right now is really an overcorrection to a situation that was also an overcorrection. <laughs> yeah. uh, so as that whip kind of curtails out, we're kind of walking into some, uh, some lulls in, in activity or I guess in some of these 
sectors specifically. But I wanted to lead off, I wanted to bring back today uh, something we used to do for a little bit, uh, the memes. So I want to bring back the meme, uh, memeonomics for, for today because I, I came across one that I found to be extremely uh, relevant to society uh, and business economics as, as it speaks, which is something we obviously talk a lot about. So let's go ahead and yeah, you see it right there. So we are, we're looking at uh, you know, an image of a sink with an electrical outlet in it. And above that sink with the electrical outlet, it says, always make sure the contractors you hire for home improvements are licensed. A true professional would never put a white faceplate <laughs> on a beige outlet. <laughs> I'm hoping I don't have to explain this to you, but I, I will go ahead and do that. So the joke here, obviously, is that this person is fixated on the electrical components, yet doesn't understand the problem that you're putting an electrical outlet and a sink, which obviously water and electricity, not something you want to mix together. The point of this is we can become so fixated and specialized in our own little spaces, siloed up, and I know a lot of you out there feel that. I used to feel it quite a bit. You get so fixated on your job and your task at hand, mm. you lose sight of the forest. <laughs> uh, you're looking at the trees for the forest. Uh, and it's, it's something that makes this environment, when we're in this transitory state, mm -hmm. extremely challenging uh, for anybody that's trying to demand forecast, uh, anybody that's trying to price something, <laughs> mm -hmm. hey. yeah. um, anybody that's trying to figure out exactly how to manage inventories. And it, it, it's because you know your corner, which you know you can't have huge exposure to everything. You can't know everything all the time. That's why we become more specialized. It's yeah. why our economy has been able to grow at the pace that it has in the past. But at times like this, you definitely need to take a step back yeah. and, and look at the bigger picture because... You need to understand how you fit in everything because anybody that's looking upstream, it's going to help you figure out what's going on downstream and vice versa. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, if you're just focused on putting a house up and putting it together mm -hmm. and not worrying about all the fine-tuned pieces just because you got to move on to the next one, to the next one, to the next one, mm -hmm. stuff like that could happen. Yeah, and, and you have to be watching. You have to be more watchful than ever when we're in a state of transition. Look at your, look at your KPIs. Look at your metrics. Sometimes the KPIs that you used to rely on don't work the same way that they did that they do now. You're going to have different varying relationships, different weightings, uh, even different components of certain things that you have built your foundation of information on that are going to have different meanings. So, that being said, let's go ahead and walk right into the newsonomics, uh, the stories of the day that I've picked out here. Uh, you know which very relevant today as we talk about the gas tax holiday. Biden calls on Congress to enact a three-month gas tax holiday. So I'm going to go ahead and shut up for a minute and allow, I just want to get your take on this situation first. So this was, like you said, we were talking a lot um, before the show, just going over stuff, the world, life in general. But this is one of those areas where I think you hit the nail on the head. It's a near-term solution for a long-term problem, and it doesn't really solve anything. Mm -hmm. And so that's when you have to kind of get at the core of the issue. What are we doing wrong? What is, what's wrong with the fundamentals here? And why, we're not gonna put a Band-Aid over a bullet wound here. Mm -hmm. this, isn't, this isn't the solution. Leading out, fix it. Let's get some progress here instead of just a temporary solution. And then the other big aspect, when we look at tax breaks, of course, I, I think, you know, less tax, the better, great. But then I also start to think about the federal balance sheet. And I'm just thinking, okay, 
this, this has to infrastructure bill. Yeah. He needs this money for that, right? Yeah. <laughs> this kind of kicks something else a little bit further down the road or shifts taxes into another area mm -hmm. that is going to be a little bit more pronounced in. There's nothing, there's no free lunch. And this is, I think, the right. perfect example. Where is this going to show up? Where is this going to manifest itself just for a perceived short-term solution? Yeah, because it's not like taxes expanded yeah. during this period. It's still a, a relatively small percentage of the overall bill there. Right. When you're paying for the gas at the pump, you're talking about, I think it was like 18 cents. Mm -hmm. You know, we're talking at $5 a gallon. Like, that's not... It's not a huge. It's not a huge discount yeah. for me as a consumer, um, but it could, you know, like I just said, the infrastructure bill that he just passed, which is supposedly his crowning achievement at this mm -hmm. point. And I'm not here to get political, uh, but that's you, when you're talking about the president, you're inevitably in that political <laughs> arena. Uh, but basic math just says kind of exactly what you just said. We're kicking the can down the road to get a little near term, and and the. They, they, the economists tend to agree with you, Anthony. Uh, it says in the article, politically it's a winner in the sense that it shows that the government is doing something and it could provide temporary relief to some extent. But in the long run, it's really not that big of a deal. We talked about this last week a little bit in terms of like, you get caught up into showing like, hey, I need to, do, I need to show that I'm doing something. Mm -hmm. Because for some reason in our world, in society, maybe more in America than anywhere else, we have to show that we're responding to a stimulus mm -hmm. or some sort of action to show that we care or are doing something about it, when in actuality, we may not need to do anything at all. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe doing the wrong thing may be worse than doing you know, nothing. Yeah, yeah. So you have to continuously evaluate that. You, you, just because you're, you need to show some sort of response doesn't mean that you're gonna do the right thing. So, and of course, we talked about this too, a lot of the problem for the gas ta or the gas prices and diesel prices right now, it's in the financial markets. Yeah, it's yeah. the speculation. We are not in a gas shortage. It is the perception that we may have one in the future that is driving these rates to the levels that we're seeing right now. There's obviously some fundamental operational uh, things there. You can't just lose that amount of crude oil production globally and yeah. expect things to you know stay where they are. But a lot of the uh, a lot of the gas prices right now, simple. If you're in the financial sector, you have to bid these prices higher. <laughs> yeah, and I think that that was another thing that we were chatting about earlier. Just saying, mm -hmm. hey, what's going to be one of the core things? Mm -hmm. Speculation. Yep. We kind of propping all of this up right now. Yep. So the next article, of course, written by our founder CEO Craig Fuller, uh, and I find this to be an extremely well done article. And I'm not just saying that because <laughs> it's Craig, our CEO. He, he knows that I would definitely give him shade if, if, if I didn't and agree with the debate. It. Yeah, <laughs> it is not, this is not like, I, I, I just want to give credit where credit's due here because it's a lot of what I, you know, we've talked about recently summed up in a pretty concise little package. If you're, ever, if you're concerned about knowing what a bullwhip is, definitely watch this. It's on the front page of FreightWaves.com right now. I'm sure it's gotten a ton of traffic. He is obviously uh, become a pretty polarizing figure on our site uh, over the last couple of months. Uh, but you definitely want to read this article. It has not got a lot of hyperbole in it, so don't, you know, don't think that there's any agendas here. Uh, it is simply an explanation of this bullwhip effect that we're currently dealing with uh, in, the, in the market. So he defines a bullwhip. Uh, and did you, read, did you read this article? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I mean, it, it's... It, it really breaks apart the certain aspects of our current environment that are leading to the economic slowdown, and it's also kind of an explanation of what people are doing. It's a response to a situation that they simply were 
kind of not sure what to do on. So I'll sum it up for you real quick. <laughs> Back during the pandemic, goods demand exceeded all levels of expectations by a lot of companies. Home Depot, Target, Walmart, all the big ones didn't expect to see the consumers come out like they did. They went home, started buying a bunch of stuff. So their demand forecast went to hell. <laughs> yeah. uh, so they started ordering more than they, you know, they budgeted for. And it kind of paid off for them for a period of time. Now, if you look at our OTVI data and our tender data, you can actually see in the past, and this is not it, but uh, you can see about Christmas last year, we saw a decline in the market overall. Um, tender volumes started dropping. So domestic shipping cooled off because mm. they expected it to in January. So they were like, okay, we're going to slow down our ordering process. We're going to slow down because we expect it not so fast. Texas freeze, pandemic resurfaced, lockdowns still in place, more stimulus money available. <laughs> we, we just hadn't gone through that full cycle just yet. So they were caught with their pants down to an extent, mm -hmm. not enough inventory. So they started to overorder again and said, all right, we're in this for the long haul. Uh, pun intended, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and kept ordering stuff. And then all of a sudden, you know, and it worked. It's been working. So they just order about 40 to 50% more than they needed, and it was working and paying off. Nobody knew that demand was, they knew demand was going to fall, mm -hmm. but they didn't know when. <laughs> all of a sudden, early this year, what happens? January, we got that Omicron variant kind of keeping things a little more active than they probably would have been. But it started showing up in the inventory data. Yeah. Talking to the LMI uh, here, the Logistics Managers Index, demand eroded. Mm -hmm. People started spending less on goods. And then in the spring when things warmed up, that service erosion, that, that, that you know, transition into services showed up in mass, gas prices, food prices, all that stuff we've been talking about in terms of inflation started manifesting more significantly. No stimulus money. Here we are. Now the inventories are too big. Consumers stop spending that money. And that is where the bullwhip starts to take place, is that it's a series of overcorrections, these waves in that whip coming uh, to fruition. Exactly it. And, and the thing is, is like we talk about all the time, revenue cures all. It covers mm -hmm. up a lot of mistakes. And cash just covers up a lot of areas of potential concern. This is the same for businesses. This is the mm -hmm. same for consumers. When you look at the American people, the savings rate now below pre-pandemic levels. Yep. You're looking at that as a potential, yeah, they're gonna be exposed to some risk here if there's any shakeup. You look at credit card utilization, that's back above pre-pandemic levels if you look at it on a seasonally adjusted basis. And you're looking at non-revolving credit, and so that's gonna be things like um, student loans, uh, mortgages, car notes. Student loans have been delayed, kicked down the road a little bit further. And if those get canceled, that's just gonna be another inflationary pressure just because right. that means, hey, there's a little bit more cash. Not saying that there should or shouldn't be student loans because that's a whole nother episode that we can dive into and mm -hmm. the inefficiencies around some of those aspects and policies. But we're looking at the, the, the financial fitness to an extent for a lot of American people. It's really in the gutter right now. And yeah. it's just one little kind of you know, flick away from just all being exposed. And this is the same thing that's happening a lot of times within the supply chain as well. There's so many things building up mm -hmm. that's just one little event away from being exposed. That happened, of course, with COVID, and now it's happening with other things within the supply chain. We're looking at inventory, infrastructure as well. Production issues. Production issues. Yep. A lot of it's being exposed. Before, early on, cash and revenue can kind of cover up a lot of mistakes. Now we're getting to a point where, all right, now you have to be efficient. And yep. 
that's going to be hard to find. Yeah, it's a transition from that overspending, we've got plenty of money, can be reckless, and now you need to clean it up. Yeah. <laughs> got to tidy it up. So I, I think that's that, that right there is kind of the point of today's show, is that the economy may be slowing down, we may be going into a recession. I know you've got to technically call it for two quarters of negative <laughs> growth, which to me personally, Anthony, I don't think that's a that's that bad of a thing. I think negative growth off of what we saw, it's kind of like coming down like an, off, an all-time high. Mm-hmm. I'm not super concerned about it. It's just we need to tighten things back up. So yeah. out there in your jobs in the real world, it just means, okay, I was, I was a little loose because I had to be. I just need to shore things back up, tighten it back up. Don't, don't overcorrect. Mm-hmm. Just get things a little bit closer to where they need to be efficiently. And I think the, the good thing for a lot of shippers and producers is that American people have short-term memories. Mm-hmm. They get burned. Ah, that hurts. I'm going to start saving. I won't do this again. And then next thing you know, they're going to do it, do it again. Yep. So, but I think when we're looking at recession, yeah, I don't think recession is going to be something that's like, you know, this is awful, just off, the, off jump. But when you look at the depth or, or you know, how far recession can go, that's when it can start to get ugly. Now, if we start to see just complete erosion in the jobs mm-hmm. market, you start to see folks in, in, in stocks as well. You look start looking at assets, people's retirement, things like that. People that went into retirement mm-hmm. early because they didn't want to go through another recession when they look at COVID happening. Mm-hmm. How financially fit are they going to be with their retirement if some of their assets are now deteriorating? Are they going to have to come out yep. and work part-time? What's that going to do for, you know, so there's all these. Things are going to start correcting naturally on, yeah. the, on the price side of things, hopefully. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, obviously, with, with interest rates going up as well. Uh, but I think the lesson here is we're, we're very short-term centric. And a lot of that is due to the financial sector kind of forcing us into this. If you're not growing, you're dying mentality. <laughs> uh, yeah, companies in general, they're kind of pressed to grow Whereas that may not necessarily be the right move. And everything you do, yes, you have to address the near term, but ha- you have to keep the long term in mind through what you're doing today. Otherwise, guess what's going to happen? <laughs> yeah. We're going to come right back around. And this volatility and energy that's in the e- economy right now, it, it's, you can't, you're not going to be able to slow it down with jerking the steering wheel back and mm-hmm. forth. You need to somehow get your long term vision in place uh, to make sure that you can control that. So, Let's, let's move on to our next uh, um, story of the day. Uh, I'm going to skip over one because, you know, for now, but I, this one kind of ties together with Craig's article uh, a little bit, at, whereas XPO executives say no economic hurricane on the horizon. Uh, Mark Solomon wrote this, and basically this is more of the larger carrier basically saying we're not seeing anything yet, <laughs> even though you know they know. And again, publicly traded company, got to keep the investors in mind here. Uh, but this is also an LTL article. So if you're into less than truckload, it's kind of my space. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is definitely one to read. So I want to pull up a chart showing LTL rates, uh, and it's overlaid with van truckload rates. Now, the LTL sector moves a little differently. Now, I've talked about how truckload, uh, contracted truckload volumes have not eroded the same way that spot market volumes have. So the smaller carriers, more exposed, truckload carriers, feeling the brunt in the spot market, well, the LTL is 100% contract, or nearly 100% contract driven. Um, And they move very differently and on an even deeper lag to the truckload market. And that is illustrated in this chart here. So in blue, LTL contract rates inside of our sonar platform here show a nice upward trend um, moving, moving higher. 
And that's because we see these kind of economic, like their economics, they have a lot less fragmentation, lots less uh, competitive units. Well, what we're going to see eventually in the LTL space, you'll probably get another round of rate increases, mm -hmm. <laughs> potentially, because short, smaller shipments, more flexible supply chains mean they're going to have to ship less more frequently mm. to manage what they're doing. And a chart that I'm going to pull up that's actually in Craig's article here in a minute uh, will we'll illustrate that. But the LTL space, not going to feel these violent swings quick, as quickly as the truckload market will. Uh, and LTL rates still on the climb, whereas the trucking rates have actually kind of flattened out. Right, right. And I think that's a great point there. I mean, when you look at, you know, publicly traded companies, we look at people that have um, some type of ownership over something or have to kind of make sure that they have other parties' interests, you know, mm -hmm. in mind. You have to read between the lines. You have to see, okay, where are they getting at here? Why are they, how are they presenting this? And mm -hmm. what, what do they have to gain? What do they have to lose? Yeah. So I think that that's a perfect example here. I mean, with earnings calls, with mm -hmm. um, the president, the, the, the federal chair, when you look at interest rates, with, yep. when you're talking to, yeah, I'd see that, you know, there we're not in a technical recession. There's still a chance for a soft landing. Why are they saying this? You know, yep. what's, what's the point here? So I think this is a perfect example. Yeah, and I want to bring up one more chart here uh, in relation to this article and the one prior to that. Uh, ocean TEUs versus shipments. So shipments, so that's your bill of ladings that uh, these shippers are ordering from across the ocean coming into the United States in the green line. Uh, the TEUs, and that is the volume associated with said shipments. You can see that, you know, we talked about Henry Byers' article. Uh, the IOTI dropped dramatically in May to June, staying down there right now for now. Uh, shipments haven't dropped that much. Mm -hmm. So they're ordering on the same frequency, but with less weight, less volume, less space uh, behind it. And this is a flexibility maneuver. And this is why LTL will be supported uh, throughout what we're seeing right now. Supply chain managers, inventory managers don't have the space to order in bulk anymore. They don't know what the consumer is going to want. Yeah. <laughs> There's still lots of supply chain issues out there. They'll have a ton of one thing, but not enough of another. That is still a thing. You get on Amazon Prime and you'll see this yeah. in play. You'll walk into a furniture store. You're thinking 30% discounts. Walk into Target. I'll get a discount. Or I don't. No, not on everything. Only on things that they have an overabundance of. There's still a lot of stuff out there there's simply not enough. And those lead times, not talking about the ocean booking lead times, but the order production lead times have expanded dramatically. So they're having to order further in, the, in advance and they wait to book it into the United States until they have space for it or know with more certainty that they're gonna have it. Yeah, and I think this kind of gets back to the previous point of it. really trying to make a decision for right now mm -hmm. as opposed to what the long term is. Back in my shuttering consulting days, it was always big for me to say, hey, you can't act in the current economic environment because it's too late. Mm -hmm. You missed this opportunity. Now you have to act for the next phase in the business cycle. That's what we should be prepping for. That's mm -hmm. how you should be acting and getting ready for, for whether it's an upturn or a mm -hmm. downturn. Get ready for that. And so when we're looking at this current environment, this, all the shifts right now for this current environment it's a bit late. Mm -hmm. You have to, like you said, don't make that overcorrection, mm -hmm. act accordingly, and get prepped for the next cycle. Yeah, it's hard to do. And, and your short-term solution here is navigating for an economic downturn. Yeah. Know that this is happening. Know that you have too much inventory, not a lot of warehouse space. You need to build some flexibility into your maneuvering right now. Once things settle, you can start to say, okay, we just went through this stuff. We navigated. We had to steer through a storm. 
but you still need to be thinking about that long term. So this happened. What are the solutions moving forward that are going to hedge me from getting into this situation again? And obviously having quick information is one of those things, but also being able to build some flexibility into your processes instead of being over-reliant on infrastructure being static is is definitely something I think a lot of people need to look into. Yeah, and and I think another aspect is if you act accordingly and you act correctly, an economic downturn doesn't have to be an economic downturn for you. You can still grow. You as an individual or individual company can still expand and Mm -hmm. still you know, have success and have growth, market growth or market expansion. And so this is going to be an area, if you are able to make any acquisitions strategically, that will be a potential possibility. If you're able to still market share, that's another area that is extremely valuable, especially during downturns, is creating an environment where you can still market share, convey your mm-hmm. competitive advantage. Be sure to lean heavily know on who those. You are. Know who you are know and who you execute are. on it and mm-hmm. steal that business away. Yeah, I mean, and that's, I think that's, that's kind of the point. Well, we're running out of time here today. Thank you so much for checking us out on whatever method <laughs> that you're doing that with. YouTube, obviously, click, subscribe, like, or don't like. Did they have the, did they get rid of the don't like button? Yeah, it doesn't show, show the count anymore. I don't know if you hit it or not. No. <laughs> but have a great week and, you know, drink more water. Sometimes.